So, I said we are speaking about the spirit-filled church and we are speaking about accountability this morning. Now, when we hear the word accountability, uh, some of us may become a little bit apprehensive towards this word, but we are going to speak about it nevertheless because it is a very important subject. It's a very important and intriguing part of the Christian lifestyle of the relationship that we have between us and God accountability turn with me to X chapter 5 X chapter 5 X chapter book of X chapter 5 and we will be reading from verse 1 to verse 11 X chapter 5 from verse 1 to verse 11 Acts 5, 1 to 11. I'm reading from the ESV. The Bible says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men but to God. When Ananias heard these things, heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened, and Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have carried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young man came, and they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. God bless the reading of his word. Now, most of us already know about this story, already know about this account in the Bible, about Ananias and Sapphira, but I, I want to highlight a few things this morning regarding accountability from this specific text. But before we go there, I, I, I want to lay a solid foundation for better understanding when it comes to grieving, the word grieving, the Spirit of God. So, so, so the first thing I want to look at this morning is grief and sin. Now, automatically when I say grief and sin, when, when men, and when I say men, I'm not referring to the male. 
When I say man, I'm referring to Adam, which means humanity. So when man grieves God, sin is often the main factor. When man grieves God, sin is often the main factor. So, so when I state that God is grieved through sin, I am not alluding to the Father only, the Father or the Son only, but I'm also referring to the Holy Spirit as well. So the Godhead, the Triune God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the key to what I am basically stating when I say when, 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 when man grieves God. So when I say when man grieves God, I am referring to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you will remember that we established this in the first week when we said the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are both one in essence but distinct in role biblically. So when I say when man grieves God, I am automatically saying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one in essence but distinct in role. So if a person sins, it does, he does not only grieve, that son does not only grieve the father, but it grieves both the son and the Holy Spirit. But the question that I, that I need to answer this morning is, what is sin? Because all over the years, we have preached, we have told people, do not, do not, do not, do not sin, 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 sin. But, but I, I, I think it is very important, not I think, I, in fact, I believe that it is very important that we answer the question, what is sin actually? So, scholars define the word sin as missing the mark, which comes from the Greek word hamatia. So when they say hamatia or sin, it actually to them it means missing the mark. But when it comes to the liberal Christians of today, a liberal Christianity will actually drift away from this, 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 this missing the mark or this definition that is given here. They will drift away completely by making this word something, making missing the mark something that it is actually not. In other words, some is of the belief that anything from failing to reaching your potential or achieving big on the earth can be attributed to missing the mark. So in other words, if you do not become successful enough, you are missing the mark. So, so that is clearly drifting away from what sin is actually. So, so when they said missing the mark, it had nothing to do with you opt obtaining a certain amount of success. So your problem here is that this approach has nothing to do with personal conviction from sin, but it may rather produce an obsession to become a success junkie. Let me say that again. Your problem with that type of thinking is that this approach will have nothing to do with personal conviction by the Holy Spirit, but it may rather produce an obsession to become a success junkie. And when I say a success junkie, I am referring to one that chase success at the expense of his or her moral and ethics. So, so this is the type of person that will give anything to become successful. He, would, he or she would trade their, their, their morals and their ethics to obtain success. So, so, so when we come to, to, to the fact that sin is missing the mark, it has nothing to do with you obtaining success. Because I've heard someone 
spoke in, 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 in a motivational club and said um, 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 that sin is actually missing the mark and, and that missing the mark is related to success as well. But I am saying this morning that it is related to personal conviction through the Holy Spirit and that is missing the mark. So, so, so what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to define the word from scripture specifically today. I'm going to define the word from scripture specifically today. Because this specific scripture that I'm going to use sums up the word sin pretty well for me. In, in Judges, if you can just type that or write that down, Judges 21, the book of Judges chapter 21 verse 25. The Bible says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. And every man, everyone, the other translation says every man, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, now that part, everyone that did, everyone did what was right in his own eyes, to me is a very beautiful definition of sin. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Because that tells me that sin is rebellion against the Lordship of God. And when I say sin is rebellion against the Lordship of God, I am referring to, I'm still referring to the triune God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So sin is rebellion against the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is the Lordship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this is both a refusal to accept God and a refusal to, to accept His statutes. So what I'm saying, I'm saying is this is both an, a refusal to accept the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit and a refusal to accept the principles of God. And I just had to make sure this morning that we put the word statutes in there because that is a very important part that is a very important part when i say statutes because some of us are so used to flirting in the world that we started flirting with god so so when i say we started flirting with god i am saying some of us got used to the fact that we post his name everywhere but refuse to have a spiritual relationship with him. We, we post his name everywhere, but we refuse to have a spiritual relationship with him at all. You see, I needed to make sure I say spiritual relationship before we get carnal in our thinking. Because when we hear relationship, the only thing we think is the carnal nature. But I had to say spiritual relationship because spiritual relationship with God is on a whole nother level. So, so we post God's name everywhere, but we refuse to have a relationship with Him. You see, you see, you see showing off with God in the world, it's like, it's like you having a partner that you boast about all over, 
but 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 the, the, the truth and the reality is you are just sucking out the life of that partner and the material gain that that partner gives and and you do not really have a lifetime commitment with that partner but the only thing you have is is social media posts about that partner and and and, and the only thing you do is you, you you go on social media and you say this is what he has done for me and that's how we treat God. I, I believe we are treating God in the same manner most of the time. We, we go on social media and we say, this is what God did for me. And we post. This is where he took me. And we post. This is how much he loves me. And we post. This is where he protected me. And we post. This is the next door. He will open for me. And we post that. And, 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 and we flirt with him all over social media, but we refuse to have a personal relationship with him. And God is not into dates, but he is into lifetime commitments. Can I say that again? He's not into dates, but he is into lifetime commitments. You see, he's, he's not the boyfriend or the girlfriend that we are so used to post on social media and refuse to have a personal or lifetime commitment with that individual. He is God and beside him there is no other. In fact, he's, he says in his word that, that, that he exalts his word above his name. And, and remember, I am still referring here to statutes and principles that I've mentioned previously. He, 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 he exalts his word above his name according to Psalm 138 verse 2. That's what the Bible says. He exalts his word above his name. And, and our social media generation needs to understand that it is not only about posting his name but it is about living in his statutes it is not only about posting his name but it is about living out his principles very important the apostle john stated the following in first john chapter 5 and i'm reading from verse 1 listen to what the apostle john said he says everyone who believes that jesus is the christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God, listen to this, and obey His commandments, statutes, principles, obey His commandments. Then He says in verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome now two things i want us to pick up there the first is relationship with god has a lot to do with obedience relationship with god has a lot to do with his principles obeying his principles his statutes therefore jesus at one point stated that this generation honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me because it is, it is important for us to honor him with the heart, to live in his principles as much as we speak his word. 
And then the second thing I want us to pick up there is when that specific obedience becomes your lifestyle, it ceases to be a burden. When that specific obedience becomes your lifestyle, it ceases to be a burden. In other words, let me make an example. When you hate to do something and you feel like you are forced to do something, you basically, you will hate what you do. You will, you, by no means will you love what you do because you are forced into that thing. You hate what you do. But, but when you love doing something and it is a lifestyle to you, let me make an example with, with people who actually exercise who gym. Gymming, and, 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 and I normally tell people that who invite me, uh, normally friends would invite me to gym and I would tell them that I'm not ready because <laughs> to me that is actually a lifestyle. It's not something that you just do as a hobby, but it is a lifestyle. And, and, and when something is a lifestyle to you, you are not forced to do it. You will love what you do because it is a lifestyle and it becomes a blessing to practice whatever is required of you. And, and, and therefore, John says, if you live in this principle, if that becomes your lifestyle and you are born of the water and of the spirit, if you are in Christ Jesus, living out the principles and the commandment, the statutes of God is not a burden, but it becomes a blessing because that is your lifestyle. So, so, so in other words, I'm saying also that that you, call, you, you cannot love God and hate His principles. You cannot love God and hate His principles. Which brings me back to the definition that I gave. That hating the principles of God comes from a mindset of doing what is right in your own eyes. Remember what I said? I said I am defining this morning sin from a biblical perspective from Judges. And the book of Judges says in chapter 21 that in those days everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And, and, and hating the principles of God comes from a mindset of doing what is right in your own eyes. Which is ultimately rebellion against the Lordship of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, having given an understanding of what sin is this morning too, let me come back to the fact that sin grieves the Godhead. Sin grieves the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And let me, let me just look at the word grief quickly. The word grief comes from the Greek word lupeo, which means to make sorrowful or to sadden. To make sorrowful or to sadden. In other words, you are breaking, when you sin, you are breaking the heart of God more than you are provoking Him to anger when sinning. So, so you are breaking God's heart more than you are provoking Him to anger when you sin. And I'm going to look quickly at two biblical accounts that are often highlighted as critical in our biblical chronology or timeline in terms of our salvation. And these two accounts express what I have just mentioned about grieving or saddening the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The first one is the fall of men. 
The fall of men, when I say the fall of men, I'm speaking about Adam, humanity, the fall of men. And that is in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve violated the statutes, the principles of God and did what was right in their own eyes. And because of that, humanity would be depraved. In other words, humanity would be born into what we call original sin. Humanity would be born into sin. And that's why when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. So that means that, that, that man goes automatically from when you become born again, man goes from being spiritually dead, which sin is, which, which, which the wages of sin is death. So man goes from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. So to move from death to life in the mortal body, man needs to obtain salvation and become born again because of the fall of man, original sin, and that man, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, became depraved. And then the second account is the flood. That is in Genesis chapter 6. Now in Genesis chapter 6, corruption and wickedness reigned on the earth as the sons of God, which is alluded to the angels, the sons of God married women on the earth, giving birth to giants who were born on this earth through their relationships. And the Bible says evil thoughts prevailed in those days and wickedness was on the earth. And this is what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 verse 6. Listen to this specifically. And the Lord regretted that he had made man, Adam, humanity, on the earth, and it, listen to this, and it grieved him to his heart. So in other words, it saddened him. It made him sorrowful. You see, sin hurts God more than it makes him angry. So the question will be then, where does this come in with the Holy Spirit? since we are on our Holy Spirit series. You see, in Acts chapter 4, Paul sums this up very beautiful regarding grieving the Spirit. He says in Ephesians chapter 4 to the Ephesian church, from verse 25 to verse 30, listen to this. He speaks of sin. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth. Very important. I want you to keep that part in mind regarding what we have spoken with the, with, with the book of Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Zephira and, and the situation with Peter. Listen to Paul. He says, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not what? Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather, rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may, may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. 
And do not, listen to this, very important, verse 30 of Ephesians chapter 4, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The same principle that applies to the Father and the Son applies to the Holy Spirit. So when you grieve the Father, you grieve the Son and the Spirit. And, 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 and that is very important because it brings me back to Acts chapter 5 that we have read today. Acts chapter 5, our initial text, we said, but a man named Ananias with his wife Zephira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge he kept, listen to what he did, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. He does what is right in his own eyes. He kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, listen to this, why has Satan filled your heart to do what? To lie to the Holy Spirit. What he has done, he has done this. He has basically spoken falsehood against the Spirit of God. And that's why I said it is important to keep that in mind in Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, do not speak falsehood against your neighbor. And the Bible says that he, he spoke falsehood by lying to the Holy Spirit because he kept back some of the proceeds of the land to himself. He did what was right in his own eyes. And the Bible says, while it remained unsold, Peter said to him, while it remained unsold, did, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, what it, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart, doing what is right in his own eyes? You have not lied to men, but to God. You have spoken falsehood, not to men, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his lies. In other words, he, he died. But, but I, I want to say that Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit. And when he lied to the Holy Spirit, he did what? He grieved the Holy Spirit because he said he did what was right in his own eyes. So in other words, he grieved the Holy Spirit. And, and this is important because the Spirit-filled church is of understanding that grieving the Holy Spirit is not an option. The Spirit-filled church is of the understanding that grieving the Holy Spirit is not an option. And therefore, if most of them go wrong in the Spirit-filled church, they repent earnestly. They do not wait for someone else just all the time to just tell them to repent. But the conviction that, 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 that flows out strong in them, flows out strong with, outside of them. And, and they repent earnestly by coming back to God and coming back to the heart of worship, saying, Lord, I have done wrong and I'm here to make right because I understand that grieving you hurts you more than it makes you angry. For the spirit-filled church does not entertain sin that grace may abound, but they fight for righteousness and freedom from strongholds. The spirit-filled church understands that grace is there not to make them sin more, but grace is there to make them become free and have liberty in relationship with God. 
righteousness is critical to the spiritual church and they understand that you see accountability is critical in the Christian walk of the spiritual church calling each other out in love means peace and release from bondage and sin in the spiritual church they, they, they call each other out in love and there's this understanding that they have when they call each other out in love that, that this is to build me and not to break me and that is important in the spiritual church but the carnal church when when one is being called out they do not do it in love and peace but war breaks out and hatred excels see the spiritual church does not claim to walk in the spirit and live in disobedience but the spiritual church walk in the spirit and live in obedience then the word of god says in acts chapter 5 after an interval, after some time of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. She confessed and she says, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how, listen to this, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord, doing what is right in your own eyes. How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who carried your husband will carry you out as well. And I'm paraphrasing that part. But the Spiritful Church does not test <clears throat> the Holy Spirit. The Spiritful Church does not put the Holy Spirit to the test. And not only did the couple, Ananias and Sapphira, grieve the Holy Spirit, but they, they tested him. <clears throat> you know, you know when, uh, when a colored person say, Ye toots me. <laughs> you know, you know when, when, when we were problems, when we were a bit smaller and, and, and we were children, you know when someone said to your uncle, said to you, Gaan aan, ye toots me. Then it's a problem. And, and they tested the Holy Spirit by undermining, and this is how they tested him. They undermined his omniscience and his omnipresence. Remember what we said? The second week we spoke about the divine attributes of the Spirit, and we said the Holy Spirit is omniscient, omnipotent, and he is omnipresent. But in this case, they, they undermined his omniscience and they undermined his omnipresence. And that is what they tested. See, the spiritual church understands that failure to practice in private what they pretended to do in public is not hidden from the Holy Spirit. The spiritual, in other words, the spiritual, under, un, the spiritual church understands that whatever they do in private is not hidden from the Holy Spirit. For nothing under the sun is, is ever hidden from God. Then the Bible says in Acts 5, Acts 5 verse 10, immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed the lasso. So Sapphira also died. When the young man came in, in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And verse 11 says, and great fear 
came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. The last thing that I want to state about the Spirit-filled church in this specific text that we read this morning is their fear for God. You see, this fear that we speak now, most people will think, but, but the Bible is contradictory then, because the Bible said we should not have the spirit of fear. This fear that they had here has nothing to do with the fear, a fear for the devil or, the fe or fear for darkness. But this was a healthy fear that they had. This was the fear of knowing that God is sovereign, that he is omnipotent, that he is omniscient and that he is omnipresent. In other words, he's all powerful, he's all knowing and he's everywhere. This fear is what the book of Proverbs called the beginning of knowledge. And that is the beginning of knowledge with relationship with God. See, your understanding, and that means your understanding of who God is, draws out reverence from you, from you towards God. And in conclusion, I want to say that the spiritual church walks in accountability and not in sinful mobility. And I say that again. You can just type that or write that down. The spiritual church walks in accountability and not in sinful mobility. In other words, what I'm saying is, the spiritual church does not say, I serve him, but I keep my options open. <laughs> I serve him, but I keep my options open. They are filled with the Holy Spirit and sold out for Christ. That is the spiritual church.